I'm gonna teach tonight on a, uh, on a very important subject and a very controversial subject. So I'm asking everyone to relax tonight. I'm asking everyone to think tonight and I'm asking everyone to open your heart tonight because um, I believe tonight's word can really uh, be a game changer for you. So please don't, um, don't shut me off. Uh, we've, we've entitled this series Breakthrough. And they, I don't know if you know what I've been doing. Um, I've really been walking you through the work of the cross. And a part of the atonement, I'm going to say something that's going to mess you all up and you're all going to get, some, somebody's going to get offended because you watch just enough YouTube to be dangerous. Prosperity is a part of the atonement. And what that means, and I'm going to show it to you in the Bible, so relax, is that prosperity is for the people of God. And I'm going to show that to you. And I'm going to, and I'm going to base my case on the New Testament, not the Old though I could, because the Old Testament is just as relevant. Uh, but I'm going to do this to make a point. And um, I'm going to get into some definitions and stuff, but let me, read, let me read two scriptures and let's pray. And then let me teach. 3 John 1 verse 2. Beloved, that's Christians. That's a term of endearment between believers. Beloved, I pray... Okay, this is John the Apostle. The, the closest apostle to Jesus, the one who would lay on Jesus' chest. He prayed in his 90s. At the end of his life, uh, he could have prayed a lot of things. Amen. Come on, let's sing tonight. Could have prayed a lot of things. Here's what he prays. I pray that you may prosper in all things. This is soul prosperity, financial prosperity, life prosperity. In all things, I want you to prosper in every area of your life. And that word prosperity is literally a financial term. It's not a, you know, because people say, oh, this is spiritual. No, 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 no. He's going to get to spiritual in a second. But this word prosper literally means to increase in finances. I pray that you may prosper in all things, in all financial things, in all, in all things, and be in health just as your soul prospers. He said, I want you to prosper spiritually, I want you to prosper physically, and I want you to prosper financially. Well, Deuteronomy 8.18. And, and I'm going to tell you why this is important in a second. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Okay, now, but this is the big part. Look, I got so much in my head right now. Help me, Lord. That he may confirm his covenant. Now, see, I used to think that means establish his covenant in the sense of like, God's gonna prosper you so that we can preach the gospel. That's not what this is saying. He's saying a part of the covenant is that you get wealth. You got to see the difference here. In other words, God's saying, this is a part of my covenant blessing with you. You see the difference? It's subtle but massive. Now, should we get wealth and establish the covenant in the earth? Of course. 
But that's not what this scripture is saying. This scripture is saying, I'm going to show you that we're in covenant by giving you the power to get wealth. Okay? Just like I swore to your fathers as it is to today. Okay? Father, help us now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Let me, let's get a working definition for prosperity, okay? So write this down if you want to. Prosperity is enough to fulfill my assignment in the earth and more than enough, sorry, I'm adjusting this real quick, and more than enough to be a blessing to the world. Okay, prosperity is enough to fulfill my assignment in the earth and more than enough to be a blessing to the world, okay? So let me just, this is my definition, by the way, I wrote this. Here's what my assignment includes. It includes my family. It includes my children. And according to the scripture, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So it means that my wealth should be great enough to take care of my kids and my grandkids. Uh, It it doesn't mean that you leave every person in your family with a million dollars, but it does mean that you have not set them up to fail. You've set them up to win. Okay. That's, that's what this means. And so when I say I have enough for my assignment, I'm not necessarily, don't, don't think a certain house or a certain car or a certain size television or a certain brand of shoes or purse or don't, don't get there. It's enough. God will give me enough to take care of me and my family, and he will give me more than enough to be a blessing to the world. Doesn't mean you can't have any of that other stuff, it's great. It just means I'm talking about a very basic expression of prosperity. This is what God wants to give you. A lot of you, by the way, with the right budget, could already be prospering. (laughs) So it's not gonna be all good tonight, it's gonna be... Like some of you could cut eating out, cable. I mean, you could, you could cut about eight things off your budget right now and be prospering. You could be fulfilling your assignment and being a blessing. Well, okay. You're like, it's 115, Jabin. I came out in the heat. Be nice. Okay, let me be nice. Let's establish a principle. God created humanity in a physical garden. Did I just lie? No, I didn't lie. He didn't create Adam and Eve in heaven, did he? He created physical bodies in a physical garden. And one day in the resurrection of the dead, we will inhabit a physical city called heaven. And heaven will be a city and it'll be right over Jerusalem and they will be attached. I don't know exactly how it's all gonna look. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. Bible says the gates of the city will never close. Why? Because we'll be able to go in and out of a city called heaven, explore universes and create universe. I mean, it's going to be the bomb. But anyway, and you're going to do that in, a, in, an, in an earth suit. You're going to do that in an earth suit because we will physically be resurrected. I'm making a point. We're not floating around as a spirit on a cloud with a harp. Okay. That's from Looney Tunes, all right, or whatever. I don't know what cartoon. I'm making a point. When God created man, he created us in a physical place to inhabit a physical place. 
Okay, and this is very, you don't hear a lot about this because this is very Jewish in theology, uh, but I don't know if you know this, Jesus was Jewish. (laughs) Jesus wasn't a Christian, he was a Jew. He wasn't an American, he was a Jew. Okay, and that's important in a second. Psalm 115, the heavens, the highest heavens, those belong to God, but the earth, it belongs to man. So you just think about that for a second. Think about what is, what is the earth, what are you going to need to inhabit this earth? You're going to need money. (laughs) Oh, okay, now we got nervous on, now we get nervous, all right. I'm just making a, I'm making a, a picture that God created Adam and Eve and gave them a garden which, by the way, I do believe the will of God was that that thing became a city. Of course, it would have eventually become that. Um, I don't think, you know, thousands, thousands of years later, we'd all still be walking around naked in a jungle. Does that make sense? Okay. Maybe we'd be naked, but... Okay, you get it, right? You, you understand it, was, it started there, but the idea was Adam and Eve... You're going to work this thing, till this thing, be fruitful, multiply. And the idea of Eden was not that it would stop in those parameters, but that Eden would grow to cover the whole earth. The fulfillment of that is Isaiah 60 that says the glory of God would eventually cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. That day is coming. So I'm just making a point here that what God first created was very physical and will one day become again very physical. Like we will physically rule and reign with Jesus in the earth. That makes sense? So right now there's a lot of spiritual and ethereal to our faith, but one day this thing will become very physical again. Okay, I'm just making a point because here's why. The Old Testament is clear. Prosperity is a blessing and poverty is a curse. Now, I'm not even going to read one scripture about that. You want to know why? Because that would be accepted by any theologian in the world. Not one theologian would disagree with what I just said. Old Testament, the the sign of blessing on the people was rain, food, riches, and real estate. Rain, food, riches, and real estate. That's, I mean, it's all over the Old Testament. I'm not even, I'm not going to read one passage on it because it's everywhere and no one would disagree with me. And anywhere in the Bible that you see curse, you see drought, you see famine, hello, you see losing of land, being occupied by other nations, and you see poverty. Okay. It's everywhere. It's, it's all through the OT. So that's not the tension, right? What's the tension? Uh, The tension is, and no one's arguing that. Here's the tension. Does that carry over to the New Testament? So that's that's the, right, that's the problem. That's the, that's what we've heard. Now, if you're a church person, especially if you've come from a more conservative background, and I love you, and I'm so proud of you, because I know every week I just stretch your mind (laughs) as far as it can go, and I get it, and I know you come from beautiful traditions and beautiful backgrounds that are so, you know, and then I come in, and I'm, you know, and you're like, oh, my God, I've never heard any of this, and so I get it, and thank you for giving me grace, okay? Um, the, the, The tension is, 
did something change at the cross. Now, never forget this. You have the Old Testament, you have the New Covenant, the Old Covenant, New Covenant. The, the change is the resurrection. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he established a new covenant, okay? If there are some things that didn't make it through the cross, there are some things that changed in the cross, and there are some things that remained. Just a quick example would be in the Old Testament, there was dietary laws. You go through the cross, and in Acts chapter 10, God tells Peter, don't call anything I've ever made unclean, kill and eat. Doesn't mean you can eat things that are going to get you high. We're talking about ceremonial unclean. I just thought someone perked up. See, I knew it was in the Bible. It's not. Okay, I'm not talking about kill and eat. Not clip and dry and consume. Okay, that's different. By the way, is this fire? We're selling these on Sunday. Trucker hat, yeah? Okay, sorry. Let me break up the tension a little bit. I just talked about your weed. Everyone's mad at me, okay? So let me get... So, so that would be one. Um, forgiveness, Old Testament, forgive, or you will not be forgiven. New covenant, through the resurrection, on the other side of Jesus' ministry. Now, Jesus said that. Hello. But Jesus then died, rose again. And then the spirit of Jesus told Paul in Colossians verse th uh, chapter 3, forgive because you've been forgiven. Do they contradict? No. They've just changed through the covenant. Am I helping you? Should you forgive? Absolutely. But there was a, a little bit of a change in motive. I don't forgive you now out of fear. I forgive you now out of the work Jesus has done in my life. Okay? So, so and now we could keep going and going. Um, the tithe. The tithe in the old covenant under, under Moses, and I talked about this Sunday, was more of a taxation system. The tithe after the cross is a free will love offering to the Lord because of what he's done for you. It's not a taxation anymore. That's why we don't knock on your door and say, hey, we haven't seen your tithe lately. We don't do that. Some of y'all have been in churches like that where the, where the elders show up. <laughs> Be pretty awkward. We don't do that. We don't call and ask where, why you've been giving. We don't do that because it's a free will love offering. You, you, it's between you and the Holy Spirit. We pray you do it, but it's different, okay? So I'm just giving you some examples. So now prosperity. What, here's what you don't see. Paul was a Jew. Um, he was a Jewish rabbi. He was a scholar of the law. He was, he, was, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews in his words. Paul never, ever addresses old covenant ideas on wealth and changes them in the new covenant, ever. Jesus didn't. James didn't, John didn't, Luke didn't, the writer of Hebrews didn't. They never went, hey guys, we know in the old covenant, blessing was found in prosperity, but under the new covenant, we're spiritually blessed. Yeah. 
They never corrected that. Somebody, everyone's like racking their mind right now. Like, wait, 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 I'm just going through. That's not there. I'm not lying to you. So there's been a change. Okay. Or there, excuse me, there has not been a change. There's not been a change. It's still a sign of blessing. Okay. Does that mean that if you're struggling financially, God has cursed you? No, 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 no. All, see, the new covenant is a covenant of faith and grace. What the word does, according to Romans 10, is it releases faith. Faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the word of God. So when you hear a message like this, don't ever think, well, yeah, I'm cursed. That's why, that's why I'm broke or that's why I'm struggling. No, 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 no. What, what tonight's message is going to do is by the grace of God and by your faith, it's going to raise your expectation to believe God for more. Okay? No condemnation. No condemnation. Don't be ashamed of what you wear. Don't be ashamed of what another person wears. Don't be ashamed of, of what the kind of brand of vehicle you drive. Don't be ashamed of any of that stuff. Don't you dare. If you live in an apartment, you thank God for it. You know, you know my wife and I lived in an apartment, and every one of our friends bought a, a home right before the financial crisis. And an older gentleman looked at me, and he said, don't you dare keep up with the Joneses. You be led by the Holy Spirit. Yes. And 10 of our friends lost their home in the financial crisis while we were chilling in the Positano apartments. <laughs> Gunshots going off, but I didn't, I didn't have to foreclose. And we bought a house that originally sold for 520000 for 200000 And then we sold that thing. I've never told him, well, you need to buy a home. Well, you need to drive this car. We don't, we don't believe, we don't, we don't shame people by brands. That is so garbage. I'm asking you to raise your faith, though, to believe for more, okay? Okay, am I helping you? Okay. Let me give you five money myths really quick. I haven't even, man, I'm so behind already. Here's money myths that you've heard in church. Number one, blessed are the poor. You know, people have said that. Well, you know, Jabin, blessed are the poor. That's not what Jesus said. All right, Tori, don't fact check me so quick. Or who said that? You said that, okay. Matthew 5, 3 says, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know what that means? It means blessed are the humble. Jesus was not talking about finances. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So if you think blessed are the poor, then you don't have faith to believe for more. Again, I am not saying that some, you know, person, some tribe in Africa is cursed and, you know, they're not blessed. Don't, please don't misunderstand me. The reason we must fight for prosperity is to be blessed to help the poor. And not just hand them money, but teach them and, and give them schools and educate. That's why we're digging wells and that's why we're giving towards schools and giving towards different things in other nations because we're trying to raise the level of income. Okay, so we're not, okay, so just no condemnation, okay? Please hear me. It's not blessed are the poor, blessed are the poor in spirit. Okay, here's another one, number two. Well, Jabin, money's the root of all evil. 
First Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not all evil, all kinds of evils. And in the Greek, it's all plural. The love of money is the root of all kinds of different evils. Sex trafficking, gun trafficking, drug trafficking. Okay. Terrorism. It's all kinds of evils. Prostitution. Okay. Drug abuse. Kinds of evils. Not all evil, but kinds of evils. Number three. Well, Jabin, Jesus was poor. That's what people say. Second Corinthians 8, 9. Can I see it? For you know by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. Time out. That happened on the cross. This is all about atonement right here. So that by his poverty on the cross... You might become rich. And this is, by the way, 2 Corinthians 8 is all about finances. The whole chapter is about finances. So this is not just a spiritual thing that happened. On the cross, he was sold as a slave and became poor and took on the full curse from God that we might become financially rich. If you don't believe me, read 2 Corinthians 8 in every translation you can find tonight in the Bible. It is all about money and nothing else. He became financially poor on the cross. What did he tell John? John, take care of my mother. Because I lost everything. Y'all should read your Bible. Well, let's keep going. If he was poor... Why did he need a treasurer? I'll just be honest with you. I've been past six figures now since 2012, and I don't have a treasurer. Not from the church. The church is 16 months old, okay? Relax. <laughs> we have businesses, and we've done, and we're smart, okay? And we save, and we don't spend, but enough. I'll get into that in a second. I'm pretty blessed. I don't have a treasurer. Like, I'm not balling like that. And here's another thing. For three and a half years, Judas stole from the offering. Listen, listen. And nobody noticed. I know every penny in every account. I know every spare dollar hanging around my house. And I'm pretty blessed. We lose $10. And we're going to notice. And we're pretty blessed. How much money was flowing through the ministry of Jesus that Judas was taken for himself and no one noticed? Peter never sweat. Would you? Where did all? Thomas, doubting Thomas, critical thinker. Never went, wait a minute, I thought we had another bag of that. No. Think about that. Now, obviously, Jesus knew, but none of the disciples ever caught on. I'm just saying, you got to be balling on a pretty high level. Well, that's not what you had a treasure. What, what else do you have? Okay. If, if that didn't help, 
No one knew Judas was stealing. But Jabin, Jesus was homeless. For the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Really? Let's go to Mark chapter 2, verse 1. I don't know a, I personally don't know a theologian that would disagree with this idea that Jesus' ministry headquarters was Capernaum. I don't know a theologian that would disagree with that. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported he was at home. Was that under a bridge? Sorry, I'm getting too fired up. I'm talking about money and I got to stop. Because I'm not trying to stir any emotion tonight. I'm trying to teach. And they all knew where to go. Do you know what happened after Mark chapter 2? The house was so filled with people that the four men climbed up top, put a hole in the roof. What homeowner besides Jesus would allow a hole in the roof? I'll just tell you again, I have insurance. But you come to my house with a saw, and I will shoot you. But if you're blessed like Jesus, he went, go for it. I can make another. Judas, pay a contractor. We got the money. Am I helping you? Am I, did that just like, be honest, did that blow anybody's mind right there? That's in the Bible. That's not your best life now, Joel Osteen. That's not Dr. Phil. That's not Oprah. That's not Tony Robbins. That's not Joseph Prince. It's not even Billy Graham. That's the Bible. He went back to Capernaum, which was where he based his ministry. He went to his home. The reason he told that man, I have no place to lay my head, is what he was saying is, my life is not my own. We're moving, bro. We are changing the world. If, you, if you're trying to get in this thing for just some comfort, you're missing it. We are going. That's what he meant. But Jabin, it's hard, number five, it's hard for rich people to enter the kingdom. Okay, let me see your hands if you're saved. If you're saved, let me see your hands. You're in. Now get rich. Mitch, I thought you would like that one. You're in. You're, you're in the kingdom. Okay, Mark 10, 25. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? Why are they scared? <laughs> Poor people would be like, yeah, get them, Jesus. <laughs> they're freaking out because they're blessed men. They own businesses. They were tax collectors, and they were, and they were fishermen, and they, they had businesses. They had family businesses. Mark and, and, and uh, John and Mark, they were, they had generational wealth. So, so Jesus said, yo, it's hard for rich people to go to heaven. They're like, so, um, so how are we going to do this, Jesus? Like, <laughs> think about the fact that Peter had such a successful fishing company 
that after three days of Jesus being dead, he was already back on his boat doing what he originally did. How good do you have to be to take a three and a half year hiatus and have a boat in three and a half days and go back on the water? So, so Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, all, everything is possible. And they all went, <sighs> but Peter, because he doesn't have any faith, goes, but Peter goes, look what he begins to speak up. But we've given everything to follow you. Like, but we cool, right? Like, because we've been generous. Like, I gave up my multi-million dollar company to do this. Jesus would go on to say, no one who gives up anything for the kingdom will not be rewarded. You will receive 100-fold in this life and the life to come. And the disciples went, I'm just, I'm just making a case not to condemn you, but to raise your faith that money is not evil. That is a lie that crept into the church. Money is a terrible God. It is, it is an unbelievable tool. So don't be afraid of it. Just know what it is. It's not God. It's not my source. It is not my security. It is not my foundation. It is it. But I'm going to use it to be a blessing to my world and to be a blessing to my family, to be a blessing to my life. Just, I'm just saying, are there, are there, are there miserable people that, that have a lot of money? Of course, that's not what we're saying. But I know a lot of miserable people that are broke too. So let's not, let's not go there. Let's see what money is. It's a blessing from God. According to Deuteronomy, and I'm going to show it to you in the New Testament, it's a part of his covenant. And we now use it for good, not for evil. Okay. I mean, that was it. I mean, that was like, I could end right there because honestly, those five myths are what have, I believe, lowered our faith for finances. But now let me give you three things uh, real practical. And we're going to walk through a lot of scripture now. I'm going to talk about three things God blesses. Number one, God blesses hard work. Okay. Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man. Genesis 2.15, did I give you that one? I didn't? Okay. Well, it's in there. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. Everyone say work. Okay. This was before the fall. Wow, that was so fast. Good job. This, this translation says tend it and watch over it, but mine says, uh, NIV says work it and take care of it. Before God gave Adam a wife, he gave him a job. But I ain't here to talk about relationships. And before sin, before 
temptation, before Satan had manifested in the garden, before, before any sin, there was work. Because to God, work is a blessing. Work eradicates laziness. Work gives you integrity. Work makes you stronger. Work is like doing push-ups for your soul. Work is good for you. Someone said, if you're doing what you love, you never work another day in your life. I don't know what you're doing, but work is work, but work is good. And there, there are some, like today, today was a wonderful day. I had incredible meetings with incredible people, and then I prepared for tonight, and, and, and it was wonderful. And so there's days like that. But then, like tomorrow, I have to wake up at four in the morning and get on a plane. That's work. <laughs> but then I'm going to land, and I'm going to be really pumped, and I'm going to help a lot of people and preach to a lot of people. But my point is, work is a blessing. I don't, work, like the goal is not, to not work anymore. The, here's what retirement is. Retirement is I get to work on the things I want to work on. So retirement's a great goal as long as the goal is now I get to use my energy and my time wherever I want. No one's telling me what to do. I'm now telling myself what to do. But, but listen, work is before the fall. Work will be after the resurrection. We're going to be judging angels. We're going to be enforcing the kingdom. We're going to be expanding God's kingdom reign. Yeah, all right. Okay. Don't be afraid of work. The Lord will bless work. We're afraid of it. It's good for you. All right. Only older people are saying amen, by the way. I didn't get one young amen. But Tom, I heard you, and you're young in spirit. Amen. And you've got biceps that could make 35-year-olds very ashamed of themselves. Okay. Deuteronomy 28, 12. The Lord will open to you his good treasury. Woo! God just said, I'm going to give you access to my bank account. To give the rain to your land in its season. And Okay, so I'm just going to lay down and receive it. No. And bless all the work of your hands. I like this idea of hands because I like, I like multiple streams of income. What, what has blessed my wife and I is not just that we've worked a job, but we've worked multiple jobs for a long period of time and we've worked different forms of income in our life. So now we currently have four different streams of income that come into our life because he blesses the work of my hands, not just my hand, but my hands, but God will... God blesses work. You're like, I'm saved by grace, no more works. We're not talking about those works. I'm talking about a job, people. Don't be so spiritual right now. <laughs> okay. Proverbs 12, 11. Those who work their land will have abundant food. But those who chase fantasies, they have no sense. Come on, young people, listen to me, millennials. Listen. See, 
if you, if you work your desire, that's a dream. But if you don't work your desire, that's a fantasy. And you're wondering why you're broke. Okay. Ephesians 4.28. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. And then, and look what work gives you. And give generously to others in need. I say it like this. I'm working for a giving, not a living. I work hard so I can give generously. But let's go, and, and this is important, and man, I don't want to get, well, I can't get political right now, especially Pastor Mitch and I had a good talk about politics today, so I can't be political. But let me just say one thing about this verse. This is from where the church went wrong in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, everyone gave everything and then we're all equals. It was a beautiful heart. It was a wonderful motive. So millionaires are putting in their millions and, and, and hundred heirs are putting in their hundreds and penny heirs are putting in their pennies. And, and then the apostles equally distributed it out. That's what the Bible says. And there was no one great or poor and everyone was equal. And what a great vision. Isn't this just wonderful? Doesn't this sound like familiar? Because <laughs> it, it's a beautiful idea. You millennials, you love it. You want free college and you want free this and you want free that and you just want to be equal with people that have worked their butts off for 50 years. And it's beautiful and I love you and you're probably never coming back to church. Please forgive me. It's a, because it's beautiful. It's so beautiful that the apostles went, this is awesome. But the problem is, it led 30 years later to this. It led to homeboy coming to church like, can I get a chicken wing? Can I get, can I get some ice cream? Can, can I get an offering? I know you all got a lot of money. Can you, can you pay my rent? Can you? Because it doesn't work. Please forgive me. I'm just telling the truth, but you got to forgive me. You got to forgive me, but, but be gracious. And I'm being gracious. Put it back up. Put it back up. Because some of y'all don't believe that's in, the, that's in Ephesians. This isn't some Republican writing a book on economics. Don't. This isn't a white guy trying to oppress. Don't. Because I'm, I'm telling you, because everything is political now. Reject all of that. And Paul says... There's thieves in the church that are stealing. And he says, go make them work and let them start giving. Okay. God will bless hard work. And, and I think what Paul's even going on, he's even saying something further in here, if you can, if you can see it. Like, you don't have to be that person. You don't have to be the handout person forever. And some of you, maybe, maybe you are needing a handout right now. I love it. We're not, we're not against healthcare. We're not against, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, people needing help even from the government. We're not against any of that. 
please don't, here, don't. My point is, Paul's saying, but you can actually get to a place, not only where you work, but where you actually become a contributor. Well, we lost all the faith in the room, but, but it's in the Bible. Okay. Did that help? Does that make sense? Okay. Number two, God blesses wise stewardship. I really believe in this. Um, by the grace of God, my wife and I on any given month give about 30% of our income back to the kingdom. And then we save on any given month about 20%. And we've been able to live on 50. And you go, well, you, you must have a lot of money. We were doing this a long time ago as the Holy Spirit kept leading us to give and give and give. And we kept wanting to save. And so we were able to do this. And I say by the grace of God, but it was a commitment that we said, Lord, we don't want to just tithe. We want to give more and more and more to the kingdom. And it's funny, you get that motive. And, and the Lord honors it. But then he saw the wise stewardship of the saving. Yeah? So there was this twofold, like we just, we bought a new home. We didn't buy what we got approved for. Don't just max out. Like, if you can afford a $20,000 car, but the dealership tries to sell you a $40,000 car, does that make sense? Like, or, or, or maybe it's you can afford that used Mercedes, but you don't realize how much those oil changes are and those brakes are and that air conditioning is. And, and it's the same cost as a Toyota, but the maintenance is ridiculous. You got to learn how to be a good steward now. So we got to approve for a home loan and then we bought a home at a totally different price. Okay, I'm, and then because of years and years of savings and because we're smart, we then remodeled the house with no credit cards, with no, well, let's take some from this account and this account. And Okay, I'm not, I'm not bragging, I'm telling you, and I'm being really honest, and I know, I, please don't email me. I won't read it because <laughs> I don't. <laughs> my point, unless it's good, then email me. But my point is, little by little, little by little, little by little. We got married 13 years ago. Little by little, we've we've done this, and our so we've given more and more annually to savings. We've given more and more annually to the kingdom, little by because we had this commitment to it, and I believe God blesses wide stewardship. So now we're able currently to live off 50 because see, and here's an issue in America because I'm talking about prosperity. We live, we raise our living to our income. And if you do that, I promise you, you'll always go over. If you made a million dollars this year and you spent a million dollars and one dollar, you're broke. Because it's a principle. You're still paycheck to paycheck. I remember watching some 
goofy prosperity preacher on, t- on you know, Christian TV one day saying, you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. I said, oh, I can't believe that. And now I'm that goofy prosperity preacher telling you, you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. But it actually starts, it, it started for us, I mean, combined 35,000 a year, combined, in a Hyundai, unashamed, no fifth gear. I've told the story. I've told the, and then a Honda Accord that we, that I drove to 380,000 miles with the, with the bumper duct taped because I wasn't getting in debt. That's a true story. Those Hondas will last forever. I'm not a Honda salesman, but those things will just keep ticking. Give it an oil change. That thing will just last till Jesus comes. And, and here's what happened. Our income kept growing and our living did not. Our, our cost of living today is less than it was two years ago when we moved here from California. We didn't raise it. We're under it by a few thousand dollars because California is crazy. <laughs> We're under. In other words, we didn't go, well, that's what we're doing in Cali. We'll do it here. No, we went, we're going to go way under so we can be a bigger blessing to this church. And now two years in, and we're so blessed, and we could actually raise our level of living. We don't. Because I think God blesses wise stewardship. Well, let me give you the Bible, Matthew 25, 23. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't miss faithful, because faithful means time. Not faith-filled, because I can be full of faith for a moment, but to be faithful. (laughs) You have been faithful over a little. Time out. Can you be faithful for a long period of time over a little? You, you passed the time test of stewarding a little, of stewarding a fixed income, of stewarding meals at home, of stewarding chicken breast when you wanted filet mignon, of stewarding ramen noodles, of stewarding a turkey sandwich at work when you want to go to Chipotle. With with Jesus, Chipotle now is like $15 to go to Chipotle. What happened to that? Come on, somebody. I remember it was like $7. I remember when a Whopper was 99 cents. Okay, stop. Okay. I'm like becoming that guy now. I remember when the McDonald's cheeseburger was a nickel. Okay, so anyway. But they were 25 cents when I was a kid. Anyway, let's keep, I digress. And what happened? And you learned how to be faithful with a little over a long period of time. And then look what he says. Now I'm going to make you faithful over much. And then you get to steward for a long period of time, much. And that's awesome. And because I know God, the much is a lot longer than the little. Because I just know Jesus. Jesus. 
And I know how he does it. And he says, your latter will be greater than your former. So that means I'm going to rule over much, a lot longer than I had to be faithful with the little. But you still got to be faithful with the little. All right, Luke 16, 10. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. That's why the most impoverished people in our nation win the lottery. And three years later, they're right where they started. Because they were not faithful in the little. And they, they get a couple million. And they buy a house they can't afford. And a pool they can't keep up. And a car they can't keep up. And they give all their cousins five grand and ten grand and two thousand. And, and they buy a watch that's ridiculous. And they were never faithful in the little things. So they're not faithful with the big things. But if you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful. What you're doing right now with your money is what you would do with more money. Ouch. Yeah, that was an ouch. What you're doing with your current budget is what you would do with more of it. I didn't say that. He said it. Well, I'm pointing. He said it. I'm looking at my screen back here. If you're dishonest, oh man. See, people who, who go to prison for millions and millions and millions of dollars over tax evasion or embezzlement, or they, that, that's the same person that would steal a quarter. That's the same person that offering buckets going by and they just grab a 10 and put it in their pocket. And... <laughs> oh, conviction in the house. Oh, okay. No. It's the same person that, you know, that's the same person that walks out of Target, you know, and they forgot to pay for that case of water. And they see it and they go, I need to go back and pay for it. And then they say, but Target's got a lot of money. They... <laughs> All right, I'm getting real. If you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? You know, we won't have anyone up here speak who doesn't tithe. Because if they can't, like if these young guys can't master, if they can't master worldly wealth, how can I give them true riches? <laughs> and if you're not faithful with other people's things. I'm talking about blessing. I'm talking about prosperity. But God blesses, God, God blesses wise stewardship. Uh, you can't be trusted with your own. Let's keep going. Uh, let, me, let me get fast now. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That word money there is an Aramaic word called mammon. It comes from an Old Testament idol named mammon because money is a spirit in the world. It's a, it's a spiritual power. The Pharisees who dearly loved money heard all this that Jabin was saying, and they scoffed and said, I ain't ever going back over there. He just wants my money. 
They, they got so mad at Jesus for saying what he said. You, you, you have to master the money thing. Because if you're not the master of your money, money is your master. Every time I tithe, I'm telling money, you're not God. Every time I give a generous offering, every time I help a friend, every time I sow, every time I, every time I help, every time I bless someone with a meal, I'm saying, mammon, you are not God. Every time I put into my savings account for my family and don't just buy another thing for me, I'm telling the spirit of mammon, you're not God. Well, lastly, God, and we got to pray for people. I got to finish right now. God blesses radical generosity. Come on up, Zach. God blesses radical generosity. First Timothy 6, 17, to all the rich of this world, I command you not to be wrapped in thoughts of pride over your prosperity or rely on your wealth. For your riches are unreliable and nothing compared to the living God. Trust instead in the one who has lavished upon us all good things, fulfilling our every need. Remind the wealthy to be rich in good works of extravagant generosity, willing to share with others. This will provide a beautiful foundation for your lives. Think generosity provides a beautiful foundation for my life. And secure for them a great future as they lay their hands upon the meaning of true life. Philippians 4.19, And my God shall meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 8.9, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Don't give because Jabin's talking about money. Don't give because you're afraid if you don't give, God's gonna get you. Or don't, he says, don't, be, don't do it under pressure. For God loves a cheerful giver and God will generously provide all you need. And then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor and their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat in the same way he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. I'm just saying God will bless radical generosity. Galatians chapter 6 verse 6. And to those who are taught the word, that's you, must share all good things with their teacher. That's city light. And you know, there and you know, people actually take that literally. If you've ever been to an African American church, that preacher really gets going. People run up to the altar and throw money down. You know, they're blessing the, their pastor. That's not our tradition. Don't worry. But I'm just saying it. You know, that's it's not like they didn't just come up with that. It's right here. Okay, it's actually in the Bible. Sharing of wealth takes place between them. See, I give my wealth. There's a. It's a. It's a holy transaction. Of faith, okay? 
Make no mistake about it, God will never be mocked for what you plant will be the very thing you harvest. That's why you can't plant prayer and get money. Like I know the building I want and I'm giving more money than I've ever given. My, the money I'm giving right now is not nearly enough for what I want. Let me just time out real quick. Me personally, I'm giving more than I've ever given right now personally. Not because it's enough to pay for our next building. But because it's the only way I'm going to reap that. I can't just pray and do what I always do. If I want something I've never gotten, I got to do something I've never done. So I'm, 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 I'm planning on reaping not to the level of my gift, but to the level of my faith. Does that make, okay. So my offering cannot pay for where we're going, but my offering can be seed that God can bless and multiply. And I believe he will honor all of our faith. Plant the good seeds of the spirit of life. You'll reap the beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. And don't allow yourselves to be weary. This is about giving. Don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. For the season of reaping, the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. Can you say amen to God's word tonight in Jesus' name? So 